This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher from PreachingToday.com. And uh, I am here for this episode with my favorite, all-time favorite guest host, the esteemed and the venerable Kevin Miller. Great to have you here, Kevin. Was that laid on just a little thick? A little sarcastic. <laughs> well, I feel bad. You know, it's been a gap since we've had you. So, and you are my favorite. I mean, I have lots of favorites, but you're the favorite of the favorites. I, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> well, so we got a really fun episode today. And uh, thanks to you, because once again, you brought a great idea to the table, something that you've been thinking about and something that you are really good at. So I want people to know you practice what you preach here. So, um, so the topic today is three ways to bring our listeners into a Bible scene. Uh, so bringing our listeners into a Bible scene. Now, Kevin, what, what do you mean by that? Just unpack that a little bit. Well, uh, for this uh, purpose of this podcast, what I want to talk about is how do you get people to actually see, feel, and encounter what's happening in that Bible scene? And is this just for biblical narratives, or could this be for an epistle or a psalm, or uh, is it genre-specific? No, I, I mean really any text can be seen, like in the Psalms, you have uh, analogies of like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, like a bird spreading its wings or things like that. And so sh obviously shepherds and sheep. So any, any text I think can suit, obviously the genealogies don't suit as well as the narratives. But what I'm trying to do is get people to not just think about the scene and stay at a distance. I want them to actually enter in as the, almost though they're like in the movie. Ah, excellent. So Dr. Gardner Taylor, the, the amazing preacher. Yeah, he, he talked about helping people walk up and down the neighborhood of the text. I love that. So that's kind of what you're talking about? That's even better than what I'm trying to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Dr. Taylor. So. Yeah, it was Dr. Gardner Taylor. <laughs> So tell us why this matters so much. Give us some, some urgency around this, uh, how this can help our hearers encounter the Word of God and be transformed by it. Yeah, well, I, I have a reason for wanting to do this, and I think every preacher does. Um, two reasons, actually. The first is just a journalistic reason. There's an old saying that the best storytellers turn ears into eyes. Nice. So I want to make sure that my people are not just listening but they're actually seeing and, and encountering something um, so that they will be affected at a deeper level. But of course, that's all to the service of my pastoral goal as a preacher, which is that I want them to see the Lord Jesus as he's healing mm. or teaching, or I want them to see the acts of Yahweh as he's delivering his people from slavery or whatever it may be. 
I, uh, I don't want them to just sort of sit back at a comfortable remove and cogitate about that. You see, feel, and experience that. So you're in the text now. Yeah. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword now. Yeah, I love that. So the title of this podcast is Three Ways to Bring Our Listener into the Bible Scene. So I assume there's three ways to do this. Well, when there are three points, you can tell that it's going to be anointed. <laughs> so, well, here, here we go. And, and I want you to notice also the careful alliteration in each of my comments. I figured that. Okay. So that was you a are a guy that, that disparages the three-point sermon, and, and, <laughs> and yet you have three points in this podcast. So I just want to point that out to you. Well, I, I knew that you as the host, you would have, you know, I was trying to, you know, put something down a little lower for, you know. <laughs> okay, for ordinary <laughs> people like us. Point, point one. What I want to do is point people to the picture, not to the page. I want to point mm. to the picture, not to the page. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it's very uh, easy in preaching and common in preaching. And I've, of course, done it many times myself, where we point out the verse number. Now look at verse three, or we'll point out the paragraph. Now in the third paragraph, Paul Mm. moves on to whatever, or we'll even point out the location in the chapter. Now, if you'll look in your Bibles, this comes right after the Sermon on the Mount or whatever. Well, all of those may be necessary at some point in the sermon, but what what I want to have happen even deeper is for people to not be looking at a page in a book even the sacred book, but to be moving through the page into the scene itself. So, for example, let's say I'm preaching about Jesus calming the storm. Yeah. I could say, now notice, in this next verse, the disciple's situation becomes even more serious. Okay, but what if, where have I directed their attention? To the verse on the page. Hmm. But I could say, instead the waves now are cresting higher than the boat and spraying water into it, soaking the disciples to the skin. Yeah. So now where have I pointed people? To the Lake Tiberias or Sea of Galilee where people are about to drown. Does that make sense, the difference? Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. You had another example we were talking about from John uh, chapter 8. So the woman caught in adultery. Yeah, give us, a, give us an example on, on that narrative. I was preaching on that one time, and I, I just added this phrase, she was clutching her robe. Now, the text doesn't actually say she was clutching her robe. So if you're sort of in the scholar mode pointing to verse by verse, you might not feel comfortable doing that. But what, is ha- what that visual detail is very probable, given yeah. the quote, she was caught in the very act of adultery, unquote. And it does help convey her humiliated vulnerability. It says something about how she's feeling at that moment. And so one of the things that I'm encouraging preachers to do is to put themselves mentally in whatever this Bible scene is as they're preparing. If you see it while you're preparing, you'll help your people see it when you're preaching. Yeah. And I think sometimes we've been a little reluctant in the white evangelical church to use the gifts of imagination mm. in our preaching. And yet the, the use, there's no need to fear the imaginative gift. In fact, the use of imagination in preaching has a long tradition in the church. 
And in fact, it's, it's one of the things that, that makes black preaching so rich and emotionally mm. evocative is, is that it takes that mental journey up yeah. and down the scene. Yeah, that's really good. I was thinking, I preached a sermon on uh, this past Advent on Luke chapter 1, this Zechariah and the angel, the encounter with the angel. And in verse uh, 13, I am referring to the verse now because I'm talking to preachers, you know. So the angel starts saying, he says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And he just goes on and on and on, and this, and this, and this, and this. And it's almost kind of like a, a late-night infomercial where the guy just says, and you'll get this, and you'll get this, and you'll get this. So he just piles good news on top of good news on top of good news, and it's like it gets better and better and better, you know. And I, I really wanted to convey that sort of sense of overwhelming, like getting hit with wave after wave after wave of good news. And so I really tried to capture that with, Again, not like going into the detail of where the verse is, and but but capturing some that overwhelmingness that Zechariah was hit with. And so I think I think it worked, you know, because I just get this sense it's almost like breathless. The angel doesn't <laughs> stop. So yeah, great example. First thing, uh, point people to the picture, not to the page. Um, second thing, <clears throat> well, this is a small thing. But I find it's really helpful, and I find I have to concentrate on it as I'm uh, writing out notes or a manuscript uh, ahead of the sermon. And that is, I want to keep people in the now, not in the then. Uh. Keep people in the now, not in the then. And what I mean by that is that as I'm talking about the Bible scene, if I use all past tense, it's like it's a historical museum piece it's like it's mm. done it's over it's dried and mounted in a case yeah but if i use the present tense then all of a sudden my listener is in that scene as though it's happening right now which is exactly the way you and i experience say a movie or a play yeah. it's like we're in it and so i'll say like i could say well jesus turned to peter and said get thee behind me satan yeah, but it's more powerful. It's subtle, but I'll I'll say Jesus turns to Peter, and says, "Get thee behind me, Satan." So I'm using I'm using present tense. I'm not going to say, "And Mary cried out, Teacher," hmm. in in you know uh, the uh, resurrection chapter of John's gospel. I'm just going to say, "Mary cries out, Teacher." Yeah, it, because in the present tense, we are with them. And actually, if Jesus is risen from the dead, everything is present tense, you know, because he's alive. He's alive right. today. And he's alive in, with our listeners right now. I love that, Kevin, because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's now. It's happening now. The events from the past are real now. Um, so I love that just as a simple way of bringing our people into the biblical story now. Okay, so number one, we got um, point people to the picture, not to the page. Number two, keep people in the now, not in the then. And number three is, drum roll please. Uh, this is like wave upon wave of good news, right? <laughs> okay. Well, actually, just three waves, but. Okay, yeah, okay. Help them hear the actors more than the author. <clears throat> okay, gotcha. Here's what I mean on that. 
I really want people to focus on, say, what Jesus is doing mm. or what, what the Lord is doing of Israel or what the Holy Spirit is doing more than I want them to focus on what this gospel writer is doing. So, and I do several things to help with this. For example, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep to a, a relative minimum the references to the author and how this pericope was shaped and transmitted. Mm. You know, like it is of interest to me, for example, well, this came out of the early Johannine community and was gathered in yeah. the gospel. You know, well, it, it, I enjoy that, but actually my listeners, that doesn't help them enter into the scene. And so what's more important than how John shaped things is that these things happened. Yeah. And so I really want people to see, for example, two demonized men walking out of a cemetery where they live as homeless guys sleeping among the gravestones. I, I want that people to feel like how far these two guys have suffered and, and how much they need Jesus to set them free. So I don't want to spend a lot of time saying things like, well, since this pericope comes immediately after the calming of the storm, Matthew wants us to see that Jesus has power over both nature and over supernature. Uh, yeah. Now that is true. And that point might actually even be the central point of my sermon. But rather than draw a lot of attention to the shaping of the gospel of Matthew, I really want them to see Jesus encountering two people in desperate need. Yeah, and therefore we're helping our people in the now experience Jesus, the Jesus who was in that story that was written 2,000 years ago, you know? So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I really like that. I'm not saying like this, that kind of scholarship cannot enter in, but I, wanted, I don't want it to enter into the point where my people are uh, kept from just being plunged into the scene. So let me give a couple other things that might, might help toward this end. I rarely explain a Hebrew or Greek word or etymology. And I know some preachers do that very well, um, but I'll tell you why I take the approach I do. I just give its meaning in English because my people don't speak Hebrew or Greek, they speak English. So, and that allows people to stay in the Bible scene more. So let me just give you an example. For example, if I say this, hey, well, the Greek word here, splankna, comes from splen, meaning spleen. So it has a literal meaning that Jesus was moved in his gut or in his bowels. Well, that's all fascinating, but I want to keep people in the scene where Jesus is being moved. So I'll just say, you know what? Right now, Jesus is moved in his guts. He is feeling <laughs> this to his core. Yeah. Which communicates the same information, but keeps people in the scene rather than pulling them back out for an explainer. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right, you ready for one last point? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we're going to put and each other on the spot, Matt, and we are going to see if we can actually do this ourselves. We are going to do stump the preacher. Stump the preacher. So, all right, here's round, the last, last round one. one. Under help pe helping people hear the actors, if I am kind of conveying the, the dialogue in a scene, I usually will leave out things like he said, or she said as much as possible. Because those are devices that are needed on a printed page so you can understand who's saying what. But when you're actually in a scene, listening to the scene, and you're like in a movie, 
you don't need somebody to go, he said, because you can see the actor, actually the mouth of that person speaking, and you can hear that. And so when I'm retelling dialogue, I leave out like, then Peter said, and I'll just move immediately from what Jesus says to what is heard next. So I, I would say something like, but if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. But Lord, then not just my feet, but my head and hands also. Ah. So it's, it pulls people in more if they're not being, if I'm not using those devices from the printed page. It's like the dialogue is happening right in front of your people. You got it. That's Rather than you're looking back on it and recounting it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so uh, we're going to do Stump the Preacher now, right? <clears throat> so let's explain this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a, a gospel passage for you. A short one, please. A short, short one. one. And you're going to pick a gospel passage for me. Yes. And neither of us, this is all happening on the fly, non-rehearsed, yeah, whatever. There, there's, Unscripted, there's, folks. Yep. And I, you're going to try to do some of what I've just set out in retelling that story. And, and I'm going to try to do the same. And whether it goes well or badly, we'll laugh a little and we'll learn from it. We expect you to do much better because <laughs> this is all your ideas. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, you know that phrase, physician, heal thyself. Okay. <laughs> I expect you to do this very well. I expect me to stumble and people to have mercy upon me. So, so who's, who's going first? Uh, let's have you go first since, you know, you're the expert. Okay. I'm oh, going to give you a text. I'm going to give you a text. Well, let's just do a. Let's do a very familiar one. Okay. I'm going to be easy on you because I am merciful, as my Father in Heaven is merciful. Oh, um, so let's just... <laughs> you have an audio engineer cutting out blasphemy. Or... <laughs> <laughs> my Father in Heaven is merciful. And... Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So uh, let's just do a, one that's familiar to everybody. Let's do the... Let's do Martha and Mary, Luke okay. chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Uh, and which gospel is this, Luke? Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, 38 to 42. All right. I'm giving you a softball, man. Totally a softball. <laughs> Jeez. This is a Polish softball, like three times the size of a normal softball. <laughs> Martha is running around the house. She's... Her feet are almost lifting off the ground because there's so much to do and there's not enough time to do it. Her favorite person in the whole world has just arrived for dinner with like a dozen of his friends and there's not enough food set out and prepared. It's going to take forever to get it ready. And as she's feeling the stress of this and the weight of this, of trying to be just really warm and welcoming uh, to Jesus, she turns and looks over her shoulder and sees her sister sitting there near Jesus doing nothing. Just sitting there as though there's nothing that needs to be done. And her face starts to get red. Okay. Oh, I, lo I love this. I love this. So I, so I noticed a couple things that clearly the present tense, this is happening now. I love the way you use some very vivid details that are imaginative that are not necessarily in the text, but 
we know human reactions and we are interactions and we know that when you're angry your face turns red for instance so we know that she's upset so what what are the physiological characteristics of somebody that's upset you know they their face turns red or or other things and i love that just the detail she turns and looks over her shoulder you know again it's not in the text but it definitely is part of, she had to see, at some point she had to see Mary. Where was Mary sitting? You know, so she obviously turned and looked at her. So anyway, I think all these things really bring us into the text. I love it. Yeah, now once I get into the text, obviously, I, I, then I want, what I really want people to do is hear what Jesus says, right? So all of yes. that is just a way so I can get them to this amazing point where Martha, you know, taps Jesus on the shoulder and says, Lord, don't you care? Yeah. That, that my sister's leaving all this work on me? And, and, and tell, tell her to help me. Yeah. And, and I then, love that. Then, then you're ready for the moment, the whole moment of the whole point of the sermon, which is the words of Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, you're worried. You're so upset about so many things. But few things are needed, really only one. And Mary's chosen the better and I'm not going to take that from her. Yeah. So the whole point is to bring them, again, what we're talking about is bringing people into the biblical text. It's not just bringing people into our own imaginative world. It's to bring them into the biblical text. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, Matt, you ready for yours? Uh, no, I think we're kind of out of time. Uh, <laughs> look at the time. I'm sorry, folks. The podcast is over. It's Matt Woodley with Preaching Today. Great to have you here. Uh, thanks for being with us, Kevin. Join us on our next episode. <laughs> I have four letters for you. W-U-S-S. <laughs> okay, bring it, lay it on me, man. All right, so uh, let's go to the first chapter of Luke, uh, verse 26, where Gabriel, the angel, yeah. shows up in a town in that uh, in a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Okay. And there he strikes up a conversation. Okay. Phew. Okay. Let me look at the text. Dun, 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 dun. You like the Jeopardy theme music? Is that helping you? No, it's not helping at all. <laughs> very annoying and distracting. And it makes me, like, a little, little note, do not invite Miller back for four weeks. <laughs> so, Mary is, Mary is in her room, alone, and an angel out of the blue an angel appears to her and tells her greetings oh favored one the lord is with you now mary has a quizzical look on her face first of all because an angel is visiting her and secondly because she is wondering what what is this all about and why have you appeared to me and why am I a favored one? Because my life doesn't seem very favored in any very particular way. And so she has a look of total confusion on her face. And she is trying to just 
think what this all means. And then the angel, and then Gabriel says, do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. And again, this leads to, Kevin, I'm struggling with this. This is hard. You're going to have to help me out. This is, this does not come. I got to be honest with you. This does not come natural to me. So it seems to come very natural to you. I actually think this, it could be your wheelhouse. And I'll tell you why. You yeah. love short fiction, uh, novels. Right. Um, and the imaginative character development, like as much or more than anybody I know. So I think, I think it's hard to do it on the fly. I really think as you marinate in that text a little bit and spend time with the emotion, um, the surprise. Right. Thank you. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. This is, this is really good because I thought I would do much better at this. You pitched this idea and I thought, oh, I can handle this. But I think especially off the fly, I think it shows me that for most preachers, you're going to have to really marinate in the text. Read it, pray it, meditate on it. You can do a lot of background work. You know, the exegesis is great. The Greek work is great. But you're not going to bring that into the forefront of the sermon, you know? You, yeah. you do the homework behind the scenes, but your people may not see that. That's it. So what we're really doing is we're not telling people who sit down for dinner, hey, let me tell you how I like sauteed this for four minutes and then when I got browned, I gr they don't care. They're just like, they just wanna enjoy the food. Yeah. But, but I had to spend time out at the stove and that's what you're talking about, that, that kind of meditation. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, this is, our audio engineer uh, has, is pointing out here that it's like the meditation step of Lectio Divina, where we, we just kind of read the word of God and, and let it saturate our pores. And that's yeah. what I think we as preachers do. You know, I got to say, when I preached on uh, uh, Zachariah's story from Luke chapter one, I, feel, I felt like I really got that. And I, and I felt like it really, I was really able to bring people into the text. But and, you know, I can still feel that emotion of Zechariah when you were retelling it now, like a year later. Yep. That's, Earlier that's, in this podcast, I could totally feel the emotion of wave upon wave of crashing of goodness and joy and, and lifelong prayers finally being answered. That's true. And I, I felt like I really captured that in that sermon. But, uh, but it takes work. So, Kevin, I, I love this. This is really good stuff. And I would say I am... You know how humble I am, and I would say that you won this round of Stump the Preacher. Well, you know, the, the last time we had a bet, which we talked about here on the podcast, I believe I got a bagel and coffee out of it. Yeah. And, and, and may I say that the bagel was excellent, and your coffee was also quite fine, my friend. <laughs> so I, I, will, I will, with gladness, receive another bagel. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do stump the preacher again on okay. a different topic because I love this. So, but you know, one thing I would say, Matt, when we get stuck a little bit in this sort of imaginative entering into the Bible text during our preparation, one thing that helps is to to uh, go to the emotions. Like, mm. uh, uh, just go to the emotion of how is the emotions of this person like my own? Mm. When have I felt overwhelmed or cascaded with good news or startled? or angry at my sister, you know? 
Yeah, well, what would it like be like for me sitting in my room and then all of a sudden I see an angel at the door standing there? Speaking like, of angels at the door, I have an angel at the door looking like the painter that is supposed to show up this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll let you, like you actually sign off, my friend. <laughs> okay, so this time we will. Kevin, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being my favorite of our favorite guest hosts. And uh, this is Matt Woodley with PreachingToday.com. And uh, some great stuff on bringing your people into the life of a biblical scene so the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So preach with power, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.